Are we live? People deluded, I'm back again. I'm here with Mo. Mo, how you doing, man? Good afternoon slash good evening to yourself, Broski. What are you saying? Yeah, I'm very good, man. In a good mood. Arsenal doing the business these days. Rivals dropping points. And, you know, they're getting a few points as well. But as long as we're doing the business, I'm seeing our chances are top four going up and up and up. And that just does the same thing to my smile on my face. Aye, man. Same goes, same goes. I love to hear it, man. Energy. I know, you know, them lot down the lane pulled off a great result, but let's not make it about them. As you said, man, let's get straight into it. You know, top four hopes are still alive. They're still kicking. Whether we get there is another thing. As you know, every week there's a different narrative. We've got 15 or so games left. How did you make, what did you make of the Brentford game, man? You know, I've offered my opinions on your channel and mine. How was it, man? Where, where are you at? Just don't hold back, man. What's your whole thoughts in relation to it? This Brentford game for me was about one word and that was revenge, you know, with some emphasis on it. Because that was, um, it, you know, it derailed the start of our season big time, being forced to play that game with COVID. And I feel like at the time, Arsenal fans, including myself, weren't very fair to the club. In terms Myself of, well. yeah, I think I think we knew that the game was going to be played, and even in spite of the COVID issues, we expected a better performance from the players that were out there, and it just looked poor. It looked really, really poor. We weren't exactly aware just how good the summer transfer activity was at the time, and we have mm. to put our hands up and say, Do you know what? Actually, they've done really well. Not really well, so we were a bit harsh on the team, and in, in reality, I think this game. A lot has gone in between that first game of the season and this game, mm. and we are a different team. The mood is ultimately more positive than what it was back then, and it was important for Arsenal to win this game and kind of put that nice. to bed. Disappointed that we got that last-minute VAR equaliser, uh, equ uh, not equaliser, God forbid. Consolation, yeah. Um, VAR uh, goal that we conceded. I wanted that kind of mirror image revenge, but listen... Wasn't to be, but we still got the three points. That's the main thing. And I know you and I, we take that extra pleasure in the fact that who were the guys that got the goals, Amen. the Hayenders, the youngsters, you know, which which will lead me on to talking to you about Lacazette, you know, our guy that should be, should be finishing with a plum the way Bakayo Saka did. And right. who just isn't. I mean... I think we're at where we're at with Lacazette. I think you've said it, I've said it respectfully to Lacazette. I've, we've come to accept it. Like We've got to kind of be honest, the bar's on the floor in relation to an Arsenal striker. As much as I admire Lacazette's tenacity, pressing, I think the second half and the build-up to the first goal showed why Lacazette gets into the team um, for what he makes up in terms of not scoring. But fundamentally, your strikers have to put the ball in the back of the net. I'm not really surprised and I kind of accept Lacazette for what he is in the sense of, you know, we're praising a striker for working hard as much as his quality. He's, and he, he's missing chances that he should be scoring every week. We're kind of highlighting it. But I mean, he was doing this when we was kind of going on an unbeaten run and we was doing things of that nature. I feel only the narrative kind of shifts because now we kind of need to know what we're getting with certain players. So with Lacazette, we're kind of right where we're at. You know, I admire his tenacity. I admire the way he's just continuing with the captain's band and whatnot. 
But other than that, it is what it is. I, I'll be honest, I, I prefer what Lacazette gives us on a bad day than what Eddie and Ketty are potentially excluding a purple patch could probably, because for me, I'm not really with unbalancing the side. If anything, Martinelli gets an opportunity up front. I know Arteta has spoken of Smith Rowe playing through the nine again as a false nine. What did you make of that anyways? Have you seen those comments? No, I haven't actually. Talk me through them. He kind of basically indirectly just spoke of Smith Rowe's quality, spoke of how he can play on the left as a 10 and, in you know, at, at some point could probably play up front in light of what's going on with our strikers. Again, worst case scenario, God forbid, if there was an injury crisis, where would you be at in terms of Smith Rowe through the nine and what do you make of it? Look, I, for me, uh, I think that when you're kind of saying, and when you're kind of publicly saying, or when your plan is that one player is that false nine striker, that's not how you play the false nine. I feel very strongly about that whole false nine system. You need not just technically brilliant players who can hold on to the ball for as long as possible in order to create those false nine opportunities. Because you can't play a direct style of play without no, false you nine. Can't, you your can't, guy needs you to be there if you're playing It has to be direct. technically based, 100%. Already, yeah, it needs to be technically possession based. Now, the way I see it, you need unbelievably intelligent players to be that false nine. Because... False nine is all about smoke and mirrors to me. The opposition is Facts. the opposition is not meant to know who that player is going to be. Facts. If you know that it's a Mill Smith throw, you can allocate someone to him and you can sort of say, okay, fine, it doesn't matter if the ball's out in this area or that area. We just need to make sure we're watching that that um, runner. The thing is with Man City, when they do the false nine and they're the best people to do it, sometimes who can drift in there can be Gundogan. Sometimes it can be Sterling, Mares, um, it can be De Bruyne, it can exactly. be Foden, Bernardo. They've all got that ability to come in. And that's what you're meant to be faced with. This smoke and mirrors attack that is just stealthy, where you're thinking, I don't know where that run will come you in. You don't know I don't what know to do, who, yeah. Yeah, I don't know who's going to be playing that nine, who's in the false position at the moment. When it's one-dimensional, it's easy to defend against and it becomes very toothless. You're better off just having someone in that spot. So for me, if Arteta is planning on putting Emil Smith-Rowe as the false nine and all the onus is on him to try and make those runs, and no, I just think that that's a really, really tough ask of a player like Emil Smith-Rowe, who time and time again proves that when he plays in positions that suit him, he can be brilliant. And when I've seen him playing that false nine sort of system... I just don't see the same guy. And I don't personally think he enjoys making late runs into the box to potentially challenge for aerial duels against six or plus defenders. Is that Smith Rowe? Not in my book. I see where you're at with that. I mean, to be fair to Arteta, I, he is our top goal scorer. I do think if you're going to try that false nine thing with anything, I'd, if we had to try it with a playmaker, I'd probably try the Odegaard route just because he presses slightly better than Smith-Rowe. He understands the game slightly better than Smith-Rowe and he's slightly more experienced. I understand what people are saying with Pepe. For me personally, it's Project Martinelli. Whether you want him to play false nine or some sort of number nine, just play him. I'd argue Lacazette's kind of doing that stuff already and people make runs in behind. And again, you mentioned the City example. That's a fantastic one much less the quality, just the experience. Or you have the Liverpool version where your wingers kind of make up the numbers. And as much as I love Saka and Smith-Rowe scoring, they're not necessarily goal scorers. They're learning how to score goals. As you know, Smith-Rowe, the next job is, can you do this next season? Can you keep doing it? Such is the level of scrutiny. Uh, again, in terms of in what we can do from now to the end of the season, I'm kind of more for those sort of options than I am in terms of Eddie playing through the middle, respectively. What did you make of our centre-mids in the Brentford game? 
because again, you know, they had a decent game. I'd, I'd, I'd give them credit where you. Yeah, I think they had a decent game, but it's Brentford at home, and um, true, you know true. we've we've got a lot of other games where we're going to be able to judge them, and where we have looked at them and said, you know, even when we win, it's not really enough. On this occasion, they were fine, they were good, yeah. you know, no complaints at all. But when we have Tottenham away, we've still got Chelsea to play. We've got Liverpool, um, West Ham, Liverpool, yeah, oh, West Ham. Newcastle at St James's in the, in yeah. their current form yeah. as well. Boy, you know. I mean, you know, those are the games. Man United away when you're up against Pogba and, you know, Fernandez and players like that. I think to myself, is it going to be enough? Look, as far as I'm concerned, you know, we're talking about the whole whole false nine thing. Lacazette right now is not a striker in my book. He's a yeah. false 10, if you want to call it that. He's, you know, he looks like a striker, walks, talks, feels like a striker, lines up like a striker, but then is never there as that. As that guy, and even he is chances respecting in that him. position, he, he doesn't hit the target, he doesn't actually act like a striker, he's actually a false 10. And he got the assist for a Mill Smith Rose goal, if I'm not mistaken. That was his pass, yeah, was yeah. Partey, attackers, yeah. He got that in that false 10 role, in effect. So, for me, I think I really look forward to Arsenal when we get a specialist in that Xhaka role and a specialist in the Laka role. Facts. So when Xhaka Laka go and we get the two guys in there, I feel like that's when Arsenal already go to the next level. This weekend, DG, we saw some, we saw the whole spectrum of centre-forward performances. At the top, we saw Harry Kane put in what is, you know, I hate to say it, the perfect modern-day centre-forward performance. In passes, wow. From home against top-tier opposition, Brought in other players into into the game, Kulisevsky and Son, in in brilliant um, sort of like that false ten way, but also did the traditional number nine thing, dominant, gave Fair. defenders a hard time, picked up positions, did it brilliantly. We saw that right at the top of the spectrum. Right at the bottom of the spectrum, we saw Romelu seven touch Lukaku, where he was hopeless, aimless, pointless. Just can't buy any luck, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. And, and the well. thing is, you know. On one hand, this is City away versus Palace away. Chelsea are a much better team than Tottenham, but you saw the difference that these two individuals made to the team. You switch them over, Tottenham never, ever win that game with that Lukaku performance in their team. And you put Kane in that Chelsea team against Palace, they go and win it 3-4-0. Yeah, no a bit more comfortable, yeah. yeah. And this is what I'm looking now at Arsenal. And I think to myself, when we get a proper person in that Jacker role and a proper person in that Lacker role, this is when we can explode and go to that next level. And that really excites me because the rest of the team, for me, is looking good. You said it there. And for me, I look at the strikers. Like, if I if 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 I had my way, we'd be bringing in four strikers. Just to add on what you said with the Xhaka and Lacazette specialists, I think we'll be happy with um, one of each. I think you kind of need two because, as you know, football's a squad game. And I look at us with strikers. We need a striker who scores goals. Everyone knows that. Arteta knows that. But in line with the modern game, we need link-up play. Now, if I just look at Lacazette, now, obviously, we don't want the same player, but... Goals clearly are not necessarily why you're in the team. So with that being said, could you buy a top-level striker and then maybe get a young one that might not necessarily score goals per se straight away, but what Laka does, he could kind of give you that because, as you said with Lukaku, they spent 90 million. It hasn't worked out. They've seen in a matter of months. 
there's a lack of quality. But where you can make out where goals might be a problem, if the bar's even more on the floor, can you find a more experienced one? Before I forget, I wanted to ask you, as we keep talking about squad depth, what have you made of Cedric, really? You know, he had a decent game up until probably the goal we conceded. He did have a good game, a better game, arguably, and a more important game against Wolves. What have you made of him? I know you're... you're you know, conclusion on a player isn't going to change, but credit where due, I think I have to give him that as well. Absolutely. In, in my uh, post-match analysis after the Brentford game, I did call him out for credit. I thought he deserved credit. He he did well. And we know he's not the guy. Yeah, None of us were happy we signed him as such and none of us are excited to see him. But all we can hope for That's is that he's not going to be the, game, the guy that does it for 38 games, right? But when you're called upon... Just be solid. Do the simple things. You don't need to win the game for us. Reliable. Yeah, you just need to be reliable, make it difficult for your opposite number to get past you and, and do what they want to do and be more of a containing player. I thought he did that and a little bit more against Brentford. where he, We were unlucky from his cross slash shot. We weren't awarded a penalty, for example. I think he so did absolutely would. fine. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I... I, I even though he's not the profile and the calibre of player that I really want at the club, I've got no personal animosity against him. And therefore, I'm really right. happy when he goes out and does well and releases some of that pressure that's on his neck, in a way, because right. of the fact right. that he's probably aware of the fact that he's not the most fashionable player. He's not loved like a Tommy Asu or, or whatever it might be. So, right. yeah, credit to him, man. We need to, we need to turn around and say, you know, well done and long may it continue. I mean, I'm with you. It's like you just have to give credit to where, where a man's due, especially for me at this time of the season where you kind of need consistencies. You kind of, you notice from my language, I'm kind of more risk averse than I normally have. I want to see a bit more consistency. I feel as much as I love Saka and Smith Rowe and all these young players, if I need anything from certain players, it needs to be the experienced ones, whether you're going to play one game, two games in Cedric's case or from now to the end of the season. And when we're on the pitch, I need to see you lot you know, organising yourselves. And I saw a bit of that. I feel in the Brentford game, if we're looking at improvements, as you kind of said, we probably can't do it without new recruits, but could we kill off that game in the first 20, 10 minutes when, like, like Liverpool or City might do? And in the second half, when it's going right, you know, the fans are singing your names, everything's going well, just keeping those high standards up. So I was impressed with Cedric. We can't talk about Brentford and not give, you know, special shout to Odegaard because, you know, we've been gassing up Odegaard for a while and it's like the world is starting to see it now. There's a long way to go. Um, even Arteta's talking about his captaincy um, capabilities and he's having a good game on the pitch. So where are you at with Odegaard now? With Odegaard, I feel like he, what what he does, you know, it, it's very good. It keeps the game ticking over. He's sort of like that. In fact, on Arsenal social media, they call it the orchestrator. They release a little video with Great words. Um, classical music, and he's the orchestrator of that. Look, you know, he is. I used to, I used to like uh, like a Meza Özil to like a, a grand artiste, you know, where he's like all of these like Beethoven and. Picasso and nice, like his yeah. strokes and the way he does things was literally art. If you could, if you know, if you put paint on his studs, he and just watch Meza Ozil cover the picture, it would be a masterpiece. It'd be you know, a masterpiece, hundred percent. Yeah, when like on his good days, not always, but on his good days, that's how he looked to me. It was just magnificent strokes of the ball and movement and stuff. Erdogan isn't quite there because I think we saw. I think it was seventy-six minute of the game. He had the opportunity to get an assist. I can't remember who was there on his left-hand side to square it to. And in the end, it was like a really, really tame shot. Erdegaard mm. does a lot of really good work without that final killer finish 
or kill a bit of creativity. And when that comes, I think that at that point, we'll all be able to kind of turn around and say, this is why we were praising him, because we always saw everything but that final but piece. That, that moment. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, in the two-thirds of the pitch, in a way, or let's say, for example, we divide the pitch up between, like, our 18-yard box, their 18-yard box, and the rest. Mm. In the rest of the pitch, he does brilliant work. He doesn't need to do much in our 18-yard box defensively. He doesn't need to do much in... or Right now, he's not got that killer instinct in the attacking 18-yard box. He's in and that that's the area. that he needs to unlock for me and be a bit more ruthless and clinical. Other than that, I'm a big fan of what he does all around the pitch and how he gains the game, keeps the game ticking over, how he's got the ability to play one-touch football, know where people are before the ball comes to him and keep that ticking over. And I think he does a really good job there. But... Just that directness, that killer instinct is what I feel like is lacking. I definitely agree with you. And I think similar to what you were saying, I think another number eight can take him and Saka and Smith-Rowe beyond what they can do personally to another level. I think it's no coincidence these players score more goals or look more dangerous or have better highlights when they're closer to the opposition's goal rather than dropping down to the halfway line and things, which is a consequence of our midfield pivot. I feel Odegaard, one thing that I keep saying, it goes against him. He's a pretty boy, blonde hair, blue eyes. He doesn't fit the image of what you would say as a leader and things like that. I don't want him necessarily to be the leader I'm looking to. I want you to lead by example and things like that. But I'm happy with him, man. I'm happy with him. What did you make of again? I don't know if you've seen, but Bamian's been awarded a hat trick for Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. Wait, with that, man. yeah. Listen, um, he's got the hat trick. I'm really happy for him. I'm really, really happy for Bamian because even though there's elements of his personality that I don't like, because ultimately he he didn't do everything that he could in order to just continue doing the job for the fans. Mm. Ultimately, I'm. I'm sure that he could have apologised, he could have made a public apology, he could have done whatever it takes to get back in the team. And his own pride, his own ego prevented him from doing that. I don't think I'd be any different in that situation. But ultimately, you know, I all I, want, all I ever wanted him to do was bang in goals for Arsenal. And in the last few months he was at the club, he wasn't doing that. And that I find frustrating. But overall, that's not the story of his time at Arsenal for me. For many others, it might be. But for me, it was a moment against Tottenham, Valencia, Chelsea, Man City. Those were the Aubameyang moments that I remember, right? Now, I always had faith that when you look at the top goal scorers of the last decade, I'm not talking about a short space of time here, I'm talking about the last 10 years, it's Messi, Ronaldo, and then Suarez, Benzema, Lewandowski, Aubameyang. Like, these are top, top players, and he's belongs yeah, there. So I was never worried, even when he wasn't finishing off for Arsenal before he got dropped, that it was a permanent thing. I was expected to go and score goals wherever he went next. And I'm happy to see him get the hat-trick. Obviously, the, hat, the third goal of the hat-trick itself kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pedri got credited to him. But, you know, yeah, the narrative is better than the facts, really. <laughs> yeah, but the first goal was a brilliant finish. Typical Aubameyang. High, near post, ruthless, powerful finish. Second one... Aubameyang has made a career of being in the right place at the right time, two-yard tap-in, but that's exactly what you need. It's what we want Lacazette to do. So those goals were vintage Aubameyang. And um, then he got the rub of the green. And I'm happy that he got the rub of the green because that's it. Go and excel. Go and prove yourself again, yet again. And Because he always has to. Like he leaves Which Every is. time he leaves a place, he leaves with sort of like a bit of negative cloud over his head. Never clean, he yeah. Prove, prove himself. So, yeah, best of luck to him, man. I like the guy.
I mean, as you, you said, you said it there, man. I feel one thing I don't like, but we can't necessarily control it. Whether he does good or bad, whether Arsenal do good or bad, we're going to hear whisperings of how it is on the other side rather than just let this beautiful story end. It is mm-hmm. what it is. Gio's asked the question and I kind it kind of went over my head. Where are you at with the whole captain's band fiasco with Granite Xhaka and Eddie and Ketia and whatever, where the Brentford game was concerned? I completely missed it when I was at the ground. Quite often, especially in light of everything that's happened with Arsenal captaincy, I'm quite um, curious about what's going to happen. Oh, Laka's gone off. Is he on the armband? Who's he going to go to? What's going to happen? I want to see it go to Tierney, you know, so I would have been looking out for that. But on this occasion, completely didn't even notice the fact that it went to Nketiah and Xhaka said no. And I was talking to uh, Tom Canton, who's a, who does a TGT talk, and he was basically saying it's an absolute non-issue. The only reason Xhaka said no, is because he wanted to concentrate on the passage of play at that time. And I said to Tom myself that I don't buy that because, you know, it's a one-second job. You just hoist it up and you move on. Um, but he made the point, and this is where I feel like there's more of a point, that Xhaka has accepted it in the past since everything's happened with him. So why all of a sudden now is he kind of saying, like, no, I don't want it? Right. So I don't know if I don't really know if it's a non-story or if there is something to it. But, um, but yeah, I guess we'll find out. Now, more people will be looking. Next time Laka gets subbed off, more people will be looking. And apparently, the intention was that it would go to Tierney, and it did go to Tierney in the end, yeah. which hopefully is a positive sign for next season. I mean, I just assumed that Eddie and Ketia got his, you know, got his bearings wrong, didn't know who to give it to and things. I, on one hand, that was my first reaction because I've been like that player Sunday League. You just want to focus. Then I thought how you feel in the sense of it takes 30 seconds. I do think certain fans that are moaning at him, the very fact that Xhaka would be wearing the armbands enough for them to just lose it. So there's no winning in that. I feel broadly, if it was, I don't really, it's not I don't care for it. I just feel it is a non-story, but I think broadly maybe it, it's a cultural shift that Arsenal, we all know, captaincy isn't just one sort of guy now, it's everyone. But on the un- on the other hand, to the fact that Eddie doesn't really know who to give it to and, you know, coming off the bench is your thing. This is something you should kind of know. For me, kind of highlights maybe a broader issue. But I just think it's what us Arsenal fans are doing. There's got to be, I wouldn't say negativity, I wouldn't say there's nothing in it, but it just feels like we always, rather than focus on not keeping the clean sheet, that's what I'd rather the story be. I just think we're acting up a bit, but it is where it is. As we move towards this Wolves game, bro, again, the first question I want to ask you in relation to Wolves before we get into, you know, our history with them, our developing rivalry, left and right, left wing, who plays? Because Pepe came off the bench against Brentford. I asked asked the question in in the Twitch poll, Smith-Rowe or Martinelli, where are we at with that? You know, indirectly, you could get them both in. Maybe that's of an expense for you of Odegaard or Lacazette. Where are you at for that left wing role going into this? I personally would put some pressure on Laka. I'd put Martinelli up front. That, that is what I do. And I realise that, look, Arsenal are playing well right now and we're playing well with a system that includes Lacazette, right? Some people yeah. might say, why change it? But we don't have a huge squad. There needs to be that culture and that feeling of competition for places. And if we're being really honest about it, who is not living up to, you know, task right now? And I think that is Lacazette. He would present a brilliant plan B if it doesn't work. And if it does work, then great. You know, um, as far as I'm concerned, Lacazette's not even going to be here next season as it stands. And Martinelli could be the future in that position. And I think he's capable. So I would like I would like to, to go with that. But um, I'm not sure what Arteta's going to do. But then I think to himself, if he keeps it the same as it was prior to Martinelli's suspension, 
How can you drop a Mill Smith row? This is it. This is it. I don't think you can. And it's for me, I, I'm torn between two two minds. It's because I agree with you. If he's not going to be here long term, or God forbid, if Lacazette got injured, we'd have to try something new. So I think you've got nothing more to lose with Martinelli. I feel Martinelli against Wolves prior to him being sent off, he was a constant problem. And playing Sunday League football, five aside, if someone's not going to be a direct opposition, you as a fullback and centre-halves, you're going to fancy yourself. So as Martinelli, they know they can't really get in a foot race or it's long for them. With Lacazette, you probably, as a defender, back yourself. And on top of that, he's dropping into midfield. But that's almost why I need Laka, because as much as I want Martinelli through the, through the middle and in the grand scheme of things, he needs that experience. I look at West Brom where he did well and we won, where... It just wasn't his day in a sense of we just needed someone a bit more physical. And then for me, it's almost like off the bench, if I'm trying to see out the game, potentially Lacazette's in terms of the dark arts good, but who's probably more effective or most likely to do something of significance? I'd Definitely Smith-Rowe, but I want him to start. I think Martinelli would give me stuff. I think Lacazette would fit in. He wouldn't necessarily really stand out. And it's almost like with Martinelli, the way he sort of plays is a way not like Aubameyang, but you've kind of got to commit to him to get the best best out of him, put it balls in behind, ask yeah. questions. I don't think we're going to do that against a three-man three defence or something like that. Um, so I think Martinelli's better in the pockets as with Smith-Rowe. So I'm torn, man, because yeah, I do you think know, he could get dropped. I don't point. know. Um, you make a brilliant point about the dark arts because I think with Lacazette, he's much better at that than Martinelli. We saw the Wolves game... Martinelli, a bit of that naivety, whilst Lacazette is very good at putting his body in the way yeah. and winning those fouls. So, for me, perhaps you play Martinelli to go and win the game, and then you can bring Lacazette on to make sure you don't lose the game. Mm. Because that's when you want the dark arts. You don't, the dark arts aren't really there to go and win the game, right? That's to preserve. The dark arts in that itself don't get you the three points. You know, yeah, you can win a free kick here and there, but ultimately you need that goal getter. So, I, yeah, I'm tempted, man. That's what I would do. Martinelli to start up front. And um, Smith-Rowe, you, you've done brilliantly, whether it's off the bench, whether it's from the first whistle, you don't deserve to be dropped. So we're not going to drop you. That's how it should be for me. That's where that's where I'm at. I mean, it's it's good problems. I know us Arsenal fans, we we scream we need depth, and anytime there's depth, like with Smith Rowe and Odegaard, we shy away from it. I like the fact that we've got these problems. I would almost like the problem of it on the right hand side with Saka as much as I love him. Do you think Pepe gets a look in? Obviously, it's for me, it's either them two. Is there a reality where maybe Pepe could get a look in? Maybe a reality where Martinelli goes through the middle, Pepe comes inside, Smith Rowe's that danger man off the bench. Well, I mean, look, if Martinelli and Pepe come in, then we're dropping two players. And, you know, Odegaard played well, Saka played well, Smith-Rowe played well. You know, Laka was the only one that didn't do brilliantly. I think I'm just happy right now that Pepe came back into the fold. That <laughs> yeah. for me is enough. You remember because, he's a footballer, yeah. Yeah, let's not forget that he wasn't even getting on the pitch prior to AFCON. And Ketia was coming on before him and Pepe was just rusting away. Alvarez left wing as well. Yeah, and... Now, uh, not only has he come on, but Arteta's spoken positively about him since coming back from Afghan. So I wanted to ask you about that. Sorry to cut you. It's like I almost had deja vu when I saw those comments. And I went back to Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who allegedly isn't doing too well at Roma. I remember Mikel Arteta, like months before he obviously went off to um, Roma, he kind of said comments identical to um, to what he said about Pepe, how there's a different, that there's a spark, there's a different sort of thing. And it almost is like he's, gassing them up in the public and then private is something else. But I cut you off. I just wanted to highlight that, really. Yeah, I mean, I didn't uh, pick up on the fact that maybe there was consistency there in his approach with Maitland-Niles as well. But the fact of the matter is, 
no matter what he says, the proof is in the pudding in terms of trust. Mm. Do you trust mm. the player enough to bring him on? What was interesting is against Wolves, he did not bring Pepe on. That's where the trust is acute. This is where it's like That's a good really point. a lot riding on it. Away from home, 10 men, one goal slender lead versus at home, 11 on 11, in the ascendancy. Fans that, yeah. yeah. So it's easy to trust Pepe there and not, you know, against Brentford and not so much against Wolves away. Let's see how the Wolves game unfolds and let's see just how much trust Arteta has in Pepe because I don't think he trusts him. And a lot of a lot of times with managers and players, that's what it all comes down to. It all comes down to trust. So, um, yeah, we'll see. And then even if he does pass this trust test with Arteta, where let's say even if we're 1-0 up against Wolves 10 minutes ago, Pepe comes on away from home. That's the other thing. Do you trust your player there? So hopefully, bit by bit, Pepe can reward Arteta's little bit of trust that he get, drip feeds him in a way and then can become more of a part in the team. But I, at the moment, I don't see any significant change where Pepe can come in as a starter because I don't think that trust has been built up. You said it there, man. And I think it's a, it's, it's almost ironic because as much as people criticise Pepe and Xhaka, I actually feel... Those are two players Arteta, for me, has evidently improved. You know, Pepe's still, like someone said, a live wire. You want more consistency. But I see him over 90 minutes a bit more versus you used to just not see him for 90 minutes. He might just do something extremely well. I see him defend a bit more. He looks a bit more all-rounded. And for the last two years, he's almost been, if it was half a season, the second half of the season, he's been almost our player of the year. So maybe Mikel Arteta is doing something along the lines there and showing some sort of man management that we don't know. But you're right. It's almost... I think Pepe can be part of the squad. I'm keen to see what happens in the summer with his contract, but I don't think there's a reality unless you're really going for it and our form was on the floor where we need to pick up three points that Pepe comes in anyway. I'm not really with the false nine stuff. Uh, left and right wing, again, he's not in the, in the debate at this moment in time. So where are you at with the Wolves game? Because... They seem to be starting a rivalry with us, man. They, we, you know, I don't know. I didn't know you couldn't. Footballers can't celebrate nowadays. Foot, fans can't be happy to win. Bearing in mind that was one of our first. I think that was our first win of 2022. I don't know what it yeah. is, man. So where you at with this? We don't have a lot of away wins in the league either. We're not used exactly. to winning away. I think exactly. If we try and remember, Burnley, Leicester, Leeds, Leeds, and Wolves. Is that it? Yeah, Wolves. Wolves. Norwich might be there. I'm sure we'd won at Norwich as well. I'm right, sure we yeah. won at Norwich away. So we're talking about less than five away or five or less away wins in yeah. the Premier League. Boy, celebrate. <laughs> Go and celebrate. But listen, look, um, the way I see it, Facts. Let, let's let's scale it back and look at it like on a more like uh, spiritual level here. Yeah. Mm. If you find £10 in your pocket versus a homeless guy finding £10 in their pocket, the reaction is going to be different. Facts. Yeah? Facts. Different people need different things more and they attach different value to them. 100%. Not only that, let's say, for example, Lewis Hamilton wins his eighth Grand Prix title or F1 title next year versus someone winning it for the first time. Yeah, there'll be a difference in that celebration. Exactly. The desire is different there. So what this tells me is that Arsenal, number one, are... Uh, a little bit starved of these away victories, just like the homeless guy is starved of finding that £10 in his Facts, jacket pocket. Yeah. And also, Arsenal are desperate to go and return to, to their former place at European Europe's top table. Facts. So 
that desperation that exists in Arsenal is greater than what exists at Wolves, who would be very happy if they're going at Champions League, but there's not that expectation, that pressure, that stress, that desire that is in our camp. The celebration for me was a indication of just how much we want it, you know, just how much pressure there is and how much is riding on there for the players. And that's what I want to see. I want to see us cherish those three points and I want to see how much it right. means to us. So all I would say is that if someone said to me right now that after the Wolves game on Thursday, Ruben Neves is going to come out and criticise your celebrations, I'm happy. That's <laughs> all I want. I want to be in a position where our celebrations are being criticised rather than our fragilities. Because right. we had professionals come out at the end of games talking about we haven't got cojones. Yeah, right? yeah, same old Arsenal. We all know the script that used to be exactly. written and may, might still be written. 100%, you're right there. How many backbone? They haven't got this, haven't got that. I'd rather talk about the fact that we over-celebrated because that means we're in a good place. Long may it continue. Right? Like you said, and even on Twitter, I'm seeing things uh, things come up about how people weren't celebrating with Alexis Sanchez. I know he might not be universally liked, but you can't have it two ways. You can't criticise our team of being having no pride in their performance, etc., and then celebrating. And I think that, for me, it's the rhetoric. City are better than us. City, out of 10 times, they somehow will probably beat us 20 times. But, uh, you know, they beat a 10-man Arsenal side 2-1 and Rodri etc go in ecstatic no one said a damn word why because it's bigger than the two teams they know what it means for their season we're trying to fight for top four we're trying to get our first win of 2022 we know Wolves respectively that's a tough away game that's a big team respectively with what they're doing we're, if almost the fact that we're celebrating that should give you a lot of props really and truly that's the what thing exactly. that me. and it's just like who cares like really exactly yeah it's, 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 it's baffling and almost I got from it is what I know and I would feel the same way if I'm never if I don't beat Arsenal, I'm upset because I think that is three points. If I'm Brentford, I'm vexed. That's that's just where we are. I think we're damned if we do, damned if we don't. I love to see the celebrating. I mean, we're told we're over celebrating. It's not making sense to me. And Wolves are going to be on it. What do you make of the game tactically? Because, boy, I think they, I think they, I think that Wolves are doing quite well. I don't think they would done the best against Leicester. I don't think they were necessarily amazing versus us. I don't feel they might put the ball into the box and whatnot, but they don't really create or take clear cut chances. They they have a similar issues to us, but they're going to want revenge. They have got experienced players. They have got. You know, a massive Portuguese contingent will be here all day talking about Pedence and Neves. Three points means a lot, man. It's it's not even a six-pointer. It's arguably a 12-pointer, really, and truly. Absolutely. Listen, the team talk is done already for them because there is um, there is that revenge element now. Just like I was talking about Arsenal with Brentford, that there's right. going to be that revenge. Same now for Wolves. And when you look at the table, I mean, all you need to do is show the team, show the Wolves team that, section of the table, 6th and 7th, Arsenal, 23 games, 42 points, Wolves, 24 played, 40 points. If Arsenal beat Wolves on Thursday, we are now saying to them, that whole rivalry you're trying to build? No, nah, sorry, Leave we've it pulled out, away. Leave That's it away. It. Daylight, we've pulled away. If it's the other way around, all of a sudden, even if we win our game in hand, the Wolves can say to us, we're one match day away, one match day away from taking your position in the league. Arsenal now need to make sure that the teams in and around them, especially when we play them at home, we need to get those three points and kind of say, no, sorry, we're not interested in a rivalry. We're not interested right. in having some sort of toing and froing in league positions. We're just moving away from you. We're bigger. We're better. We're moving on. That's it. Our position. And we need to have that sort of shark mentality now. So um, I think we will do it. I think that, you know, especially... 
we're talking about the context of the previous game. We went away from home 1-1-0 one, one, with 10 men at the end of it. We can do it again at home 11-on-11. 11 11. I mean, as you said, man, we can't have it both ways. We can't talk about wanting to be in these situations, want to be in Champions League, compete for things and not expect pressure. The pressure's on. We know exactly what's going to happen. I think if it does go another way, obviously, hold our hands up for losing. But I just feel it's a bit unhealthy by every week for all clubs. You know, you if you live or die by what your team's done in the week, you're going to kill yourself. You know, just the other day, Spurs were out of the top four race. They beat in City. Whether that can galvanise them is another thing. So we've got to take every game as it comes. They want revenge. And I just, from a personal point of view, I just want us to win. I, I mean, the players always on Twitter. They know that Neves has his knickers in a twist and probably wants the world's smallest violin played. Just win the game, you know. We've got them and Watford. Watford isn't going to be easy. They beat Villa, you know. Yeah, they beat Villa. They're fighting relegation. We need six points because as much as we talk about games in hand, those are some tough games to come. And like you said at the start, we, we've got some tough grounds to go to, some tough teams. I would say where Brighton, Southampton and Palace, their fixtures I look at in the season and say they're normally where it's not what we normally think is going to happen that actually happens. So it's business ended to the team. So it is what it is where that's concerned. I don't know if you can hear me. I just cut off for a second there. No, but you're good. You're good. I can hear you. The other thing I was going to say is, oh, DG, when I, um, you know, after every single match day, the next day at 5 p.m., I release my five at five. Where I talk about Make five sure you check that out, people. Yeah. The fifth thing that I mentioned in my five at five was Lacazette's tweet after the game against Brentford. Yeah. You know, you're saying that these players are on Twitter. They will see what Ruben Nevers would have said about celebrating and all that sort of stuff. This is only a couple of weeks old. Lacazette is pulling out stuff from the first game of the season where Arsenal lost against Brentford. Ivan Tony went and said, nice kickabout with the boys. You know, taking the mick out of Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. He went and pulled that out and came and slapped it back in Tony's face. So if you think that these Arsenal lads aren't going to take what Neves said a little bit and say, all right, let's show him again. Yeah. It's just an extra bit of motivation. They'll be celebrating, trust me, after that game, if they win, they'll be celebrating and they'll be tweeting it all out and doing all this stuff, saying, nice celebrating with you boys today. This really is enjoy it. the celebrations today. They'll want to kind of give Neves that slap back. So it just adds that extra bit of um, spice to it. And um, we've seen the players, you know, they're, they're petty enough to care yeah. about that stuff. And any Very. extra bit of motivation, whether it's Ivan Tony, whether it's Ruben Neves, let's have it, let's enjoy it. And hopefully that's what we'll be doing after the game. So where are you at with the lineup then? You know, is there any changes for you? I know probably Smith Rowe, Martinelli, Lacazette. These are the probably where a change, if anything, centers around. But yeah, if you're you're Arteta now, we're about to play. Who what's your eleven then? I think Lacazette will play. I think Martinelli will stay on the bench. Same. That's what I think will happen. But what I would personally do is Martinelli plays, Lacazette goes on the bench. Other mm. than that, if Tommy Yasu's available, he comes in. Same. But um, other than that, no change. Do you know what? Yeah, Lacazette is last chance saloon only because I just feel this experience, just looking at that Wolves game, I just feel with you and Odegaard and Smith-Rowe, we can kind of double up on their back five in midfield. As much as I agree with what you're saying about Lacazette's form and what Martinelli can give you, I'm just not really a fan of Lacazette off the bench purely because he's ineffective. If we're trying to see out the game, then fair play. And I, I don't really feel Smith-Rowe deserves to be dropped. So last chance saloon for Lacazette. Lacazette through the middle, Smith-Rowe for me. No other changes other than, as you said, Tommy Asu comes in without a doubt. Cedric, shout out to you. But 
yeah, I want I want three points really and truly. And for me, Tommy Asu, the very fact that he's going to win his first and second balls in the air against a team like Wolves, and you know you saw it at the Molyneux, it's just crosses FC. That's why Holding was in his bag when he came off when he came off the bench. So we're going to need to be at it. But I have full of admiration for Wolves and their team and what they're doing. I ask you this every week and every time you're here, just to see if there's any changes in both your comments and mine. Where are you at with top four then? Because it's almost in touching distance. You almost dare to dream, really. I was saying no a few weeks ago. Same. And now I'm saying, yeah, we'll get it. Oh, you will get it. I don't, I'm just scared, man. I'm scared. Listen, don't get me wrong. I'm scared. But when I look at the table, it's ours to lose. That's if we right. win this game in hand against Wolves, this is what's going to make me kind of say it with a bit more confidence. We'll be one point behind Man United. Sorry. Yeah, one point behind Man United with two games in hand. And that, to me, is like, come on, man. How can we not be confident there? No other team in and around us. I think often when you look at goal difference, it gives you a good indication as to whether the team in that particular part of the table belongs there. Sometimes you see teams contesting for top four and they've got a goal difference of, like, two with the others of, like, 20. And you think to yourself, yeah, you know, it's fine margins. When we look at the table right now, yeah, the top three, they are in a different league. Goal difference is a 46, 44, 31. Then it's 10, 11, 10, 5, 0. You know, Arsenal are on 10. We're there or thereabouts. We belong in that next bracket. And given that when we started the season off, we had a horrible, like, negative nine goal difference. I think the reality is we're one of the most consistent teams in kind of the last 10, 15 games. Is United, to me, are looking dodgy. They obviously conceded two goals in the space of a minute against Leeds. Tottenham, they're looking very, like, inconsistent, sometimes good, sometimes not. Arsenal are probably one of the most consistent teams in that batch, I think, is ours to lose now. So I'm saying, yeah, we'll get top four. I, I, I hope that we do. Only thing for me is that with such a young team, how do they respond to the pressure? This Every single week. The pressure gets amped up a little bit more, a little bit more, a little exactly. bit more, a little bit more. Will there be a breaking point where it will affect them and they won't play their natural games? We saw Smith Rosaka playing absolutely brilliant, natural football, fearless football. Eventually, will the fear creep in? And that's more likely to happen with younger players than it will older players. And um, in, in terms of how, how well you adapt to that pressure, because United, they've got seasoned pros. You've, you've got. This is it. Pogba winning World Cups out there and Fernandez. They've got little careers. If they ain't won stuff, they play for their country or they've been in high pressure environments, and that's exactly. what that's what kind of scares me. Go on. So, so I just think to myself, they will have that advantage in terms of that squad profile and managing the pressure. But I'd rather be in Arsenal's position because we've got the games in hand. We're touching distance on points. It's not a it's not a stretch for me to say that we should be above them after we played all of our games in hand. It's not like we need to win three out of three to creep above them, we've got even an ability to lose one of those games and still be ahead. It's Arsenal's to lose and I think and hope we'll do it. And that's what scares me. I feel I feel as optimistic as I ever can be for the reasons you've said. We've got every chance of doing it. But then when I look at us, as you said, with Smithrow and Saka, as we get to the closing end of the season, they can look back with pride. They've been amazing. But fundamentally... These lot are young footballers, you know. These lot haven't really been there. As you said, with off days, this is the time where we need consistencies from Xhaka, from Partey, from Lacazette, from every other experienced player. And 
I might be saying something different in relation to these players against Wolves. If some butts have no, you can only deal with facts. But if we don't score two goals, I might be looking at Cedric playing people on side. I might be looking at Lacazette's mm -hmm. chances. So it's only the young players that I really have much faith in. When I'm looking for talisman and things like that, as you know, goals can scumbag you stuff. We did it with Van Persie, you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, literally, Giroud found his goal-scoring boots for Chelsea and, and got them up the table. We're relying on really no one that can score goals. So I'm looking for the talisman. I'm looking for real consistency. And it's the young players. And it's almost like, again, it is what it is. You know, I'm sure they want it the way they talk about it. But they're a young squad. We've seen throughout this season, you know, Lokonga, Partey. No, sorry, Lokonga, Odegaard at Old Trafford. A lot of these young players, whether they're in defence or not, Ben White, have made mistakes, whether it's led to goals, penalties or whatever. As we get to the final 15 games, they've still got that element. And this is where you kind of need not for that. And also, we're betting on a lot. Like, as much as we talk about Lacazette and things like that, if he gets injured, potentially the squad gets unbalanced. If something happens with our centre mids, which I saw a statistic, I can't remember the numbers, our centre mid pivot haven't played that much this season. We're in problems. I think much like the Emre season, where we, we finished a point off and got Europa League, if I remember correctly, it's in our hands. It's down to us to lose. And at some point, you know, we are going to drop points. And at some point, it doesn't matter how bad the other teams are. You lot need to do it. Now, based on the way all of the, all the people around the club speak, I think we can do it. I think we've got a chance. I think we're in a, a fight. I would like us to be fourth. I would like us, for me, if we can go Stamford Bridge, if we can play, I would say, for me, Stamford Bridge, good performance at Stamford Bridge, decent one against Southampton. We still got Brighton and we still got Palace. These are them three games, four games. I've said I'm actually scared shitless. I'll, I'll be honest. So if we put in performances in that. We've got something, and it's almost like right now it feels like with Arsenal, we find the system and we run with it until it stops working. Now we found mm -hmm. the Lacazette thing. If it continues to not work, what are we going to do now? Is Arteta going to have the balls to throw Martinelli in there, or is he going to do something else? I don't know. If it, if it, so, that's that's where I'm at, man. I think we've got a good opportunity, but. I don't know. It just feels like the more I dare to dream, the more something might happen, man. Would you? Yeah, think? look, it is tough. Uh, we've done, even like some of the other games where you think, oh, hopefully they're a bit easier. Watford away fighting relegation. Palace you away has just been very tough. They've really just tested Chelsea a lot there as well. West Ham away, they're going to have their own ambitions as well. Newcastle away fighting relegation. Everton at home fighting relegation. It's going to be tough. Even the about. not huge games you know the huge games obviously the united west ham the uh, tottenham chelsea so every single game is going to be really really tough it's really going to amp up it can go either way i'm saying i think we'll get it based on the league table but we don't know how this team's going to react because we haven't ever had the opportunity of seeing this team and seeing this manager in this situation before so we can't look at past performance to predict future outcomes we can only hope and be supporters. Would you say we're favourites or front runners? Because on one hand, you know, surely, I don't know much about F1, but you're only in pole position if you're first, literally. I mean, I haven't seen us fourth. So as much as I like the narratives of things, we still ain't got that many wins in 2022. We're not in pole position. So it's that I agree we've got confidence and stuff, but do you agree with this narrative that Arsenal are front runners or favourites? I think so. I think I would say that. I think we are. And, and we have to be comfortable with accepting that role and that position as where favorite. is it coming from though bro is it because we're actually a good team or is it because we're doing all right like or is it because yeah, we're arsenal and what we used to be i don't know i think it's coming from the fact that 
Man United right now, a lot of their season has been set, spent sabotaging themselves. There's yeah. no guarantee that the next game they turn up in, they're going to bother doing the defensive stuff. They're going to bother tracking back or True. bother doing any pressing. There's no guarantees that Ralph Ranić is going to pick the best team rather than the biggest players and actually do what's right for their club. Whilst with Arsenal, I feel like we've got a very, very obvious, consistent lineup because we don't have a huge squad in a way. Ain't got much Barring to do, yeah. injuries, you know what you're going to get with Arsenal and they seem like a motivated bunch. With Tottenham, we, we can clearly see it's not going perfectly for Conte. You never know what you're going to get. Arsenal are the mo more consistent, harmonious team out of the bunch there. West Ham and Wolves, if they do something, that will be more of a surprise. So it just looks like, um, you know, you, um, you can say you've only lost one in 15 under Ralph, but you've been bang average. You've been absolutely bang so average. You can't run away from Happy for you to keep that sort of record going and draw week in, week out, you know, like you've been doing a lot. Please, please, please. So, Arsenal, for me, I feel like we're, in terms of squad togetherness and everything, where we need to be and in the consistency of performance where, where we need to be. It's just injuries and pressure. Can we deal with that? Can our squad deal with that? Reactions to setbacks as well. That's the thing. And to be fair to us, we have reacted to setbacks, like you said, against Wolves. Ultimately, I don't want to praise us for ultimately losing against the E. Them lot down the road won, but we did respond to a setback. Ultimately, our quality wasn't there. So I definitely am more confident than I've been. I'll give respect to the players. You know, as much as I feel we should have invested in in January, these are the players that you know sucked at the start of the season, and respectfully so. These are the players who have got us in this position. So it's up to them, really and really and truly. It's, it's I guess every game makes you believe more I, I just don't know I think I'd feel a lot better better if I looked at a team and I could see someone I know what I'm going to get for from these lot at least 10 games I know what I'm going to get and I can't I don't I, I don't I really don't know so I, I'll I'll feel a bit more confident but I wouldn't go as far as to say we're favorites you know if Ronaldo yeah. finds his shooting boots they're scumbagging yeah. Yeah. but look when, since when we go back to when Arsenal were I think when Arsenal turned the corner after the Man United and Everton away defeats. Since then, we've only lost against Man City in the league. So we have turned a corner there. And I think there's a long enough timeline to say that about us turning a corner. Um, but it's just that what's hanging over my head is that are we going to turn another corner now for the worse because of that pressure, because of that very wafer-thin squad there. But as it stands... I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to say I believe in my club. I think we're the we're the front runners. I've got faith in us, man. I've got faith in us to turn up to the battle. Whether we win the fight is down to us. What do you make of games in hand? Because I think life humbles us, you know. Respectfully, us Arsenal fans were saying, you know, points on the board versus games in hand. We've got games in hand, but as someone said, Bray, Chelsea, Spurs, might as well add Liverpool to that, I'm sure. In fact, that we found well, Wolves, a picture Wolves is one of them. Wolves is Wolves getting out. Yeah, the only team that play on Thursday. Um, so, yeah, look, man, I, I kind of feel like, as I said earlier, we don't have to win every single game in hand to be in that pole position in the league table. We just need to go and... Well, ultimately, you, you can't say that, oh, we can go and beat all these other teams, but right off the game against Tottenham away. If you want to go and get that fourth spot, you have to be a proper team. You have that to win these games. And performing away. Whether it's Chelsea or Tottenham, go and perform. You know, if you can't win, don't lose, but try and go and get that three points on the road. It's been a long time since we've done that. This team is what I'm looking at now saying, that's it. Go and achieve that. Go and do it. So I I am looking forward to the end of the season. It's a really exciting title race now that I've been blown wide open. 
It's a really exciting top four race. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what these young players do. I mean, you said you said it there. All right. So what would be a is there a sort of points tally to kind of I know we have to be wary of points, but is there a sort of points tally we've got to try and end up in amongst them with the games left? And if we well, do I that with actually, it, um, I haven't actually done that. I feel like you can start getting very, very presumptuous there. You know, how many points will be enough? I think 70 probably will be enough. You could turn around and say that could be a points target. We're currently on uh, 42, so that's 28 points. Nine wins said we weren't staying up and we've got 42. That's 40 and some change. We did all right there, didn't we? Nine wins and a draw gets us to 70 points and we've got 15 games remaining. <sighs> it's, it's in our hands, you know. It's, it's, in, it's, it's in our hands, man. So my last question to you with the Wolves game in hand, what's score prediction? I'm going with 2-1 Arsenal. I'll be a bit optimistic. Likewise, 2-1 Arsenal. I think so too. I'm going with the Halen boy scoring as well. In fact, you know what? Smith Rowe and... Let's talk some positivity in the air. Lacazette, go on, man. Make yourself a hero today. Well, I'd love that. I'd, he needs that. 18 appearances in the league, three goals. It's awful. He needs to go out there, grab a brace, be the match winner, remember what that feels like. Literally. Hopefully, Lacazette, if he starts, he gets the goals. Even if he comes on, I'm happy for him to come on as plan B and to, to have his moment because he hasn't had many moments this year. This is this it. Year. There's only so much assists and all them things you can get, man. You know, yes, a Lacazette goal, man. I know they don't come around too often, but yeah, you know, at least for his new club. I mean, it looks like he'll probably go back to Lyon or something, but at least for his new club. In fact, last question. Have you seen the Jao Felix links? No. Well, we've been linked with Jao Felix. What would you make of that? Brilliant player. Absolutely brilliant player. Um, and even though he hasn't hasn't worked out for him as much as he would have liked... He still showed he he got that assist for Suarez on the weekend. I don't mm. know if you saw the Suarez 40 yeah. yarder. Yeah, that was but, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, lovely ball from Jao Felix as well. Listen, he's a player and a half. If um, but you know what? He's not really what we need. For me, the one that I want is Paul Pogba. He's on a free. <laughs> I'd love that as well, man. <laughs> God, I'd love it if Arsenal pulled that out of the bag. We I'll get be... Champions League, Paul Pogba comes to Arsenal. Because I'll say one thing, right? People in this country have not seen a motivated Paul Pogba that cares and enjoys his football week in, week out. We've mm. seen it for France, but we haven't seen it week in, week out in the Premier League. He does not give a crap about Man United. This is not Paul Pogba. I'm sorry, it's true. Go and look at the statistics that were released about how much time he spends walking around on the pitch for Man United last season. He has not well, been the real Paul Pogba. These statistics that were released about him were unbelievable. They compared him in his position to his compatriots in that position. So it was out of about 40 people. And they looked at time spent walking, time spent jogging, all of this sort of stuff. He was like number one for walking, number 39 for sprints. He was just not interested wow. in United. And I think if you get a motivated Paul Pogba, he's one of the best midfielders on the planet in his position. He's so intelligent as a player when he's, when he's on his game. And the fact that he's available on a free at the end of this uh, summer, I'd love it. I mean, I'd love killing Mbappe, man. Real Madrid's too mainstream, man. He can't be the next Henri, but it is what it is. It's not a bad shout, but I'd love Pogba, man. I just feel... The, the only thing is with that is that is Pogba a bit too sort of like of an individual, a character you know, to be managed by Mikel Arteta. 100%. Because, you know, we've seen Arteta, how easily you can fall out with people. I'm not sure whether it would be the, whether it would be a marriage made in heaven. 
<laughs> you kill me, man. I mean, again, if we get Champions League, anything's possible. Any content to come this week? I know you said you got you had your five at five. Make sure you're following Mo on YouTube and following that. Obviously, I guess there'll be reviews of the Wolves game. Is there anything prior to that? Nope, just wait till Thursday, review of the Wolves game. Hopefully, I'm talking about a victory. Hopefully, we can uh, put the camera on Arsenal's celebrations once again and talk about that. And then uh, on Friday at 5 p.m., you'll get my five at five, where it's five things I've noticed about the game. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's it for now. There you have it, people. And again, in relation to Mo, if you're watching this on the rerun on YouTube, you should be able to just click his name and then there you have it and it'll be in the description. Mo, appreciate you for chatting Arsenal with me. You know, hopefully when I'm doing my review on your channel, as you said, it's a win. But let me love and leave you, man. Take care, bro. Take care, man. Safe. I cut the track, cut the track, cut the track. I don't forget, people. What's the time now? 7.30, Champions League business, you know. 7.30, Champions League business. Tomorrow, that one, YouTube will be having a watch-along of the Champions League on YouTube. It's on Twitch. As, uh, not Mo Defo didn't say that. As Rance once said in one of his, some of you, you, you man them out there, you watch porn on two different channels. So I don't expect to see any complaints about Twitch and YouTube. Make sure you do up that one. It's been a fantastic one. A man said, I don't fancy Paul Pogba. Brother, are you mad? If Pogba is crazy enough to sign for this football club, if Paul Pogba is crazy enough to sign for this football club, if Paul Pogba is crazy enough to sign for Arsenal football club, am I mad? Pogba, are you my mad? Pogba, listen, we don't have to ask him twice. Make sure you get that pen. You can do all the hairstyles you want, anything you want, but Paul Pogba's a myth. Maybe you get killing Mbappe, man. It is what it is. But yeah, on a serious note, though, one love to Mo. I just had to, he's gone, obviously, now. I thought, let me just remind you lot. Josh, I appreciate that. Like I said, please make sure you're there at the watching long 7.30, Chelsea versus Lille. Tomorrow on YouTube will be Atletico Madrid versus Man United, you know. I know Josh, Gio, G1, America, Guna, Tino, a couple of others, you know, C, Tans. I know they'll be there, but make sure you lot don't shake yourselves. So, yeah, let me leave you lot, man, for a couple of hours and, you know, make sure you're checking your Twitch schedules because before I came on this stream, I made sure I put a bag of stuff in there. I think we even went into March and that, you know, obviously even at the weekend, what whoever West Ham's playing, we'll be watching that on Twitch and then the final of the, of the Carling Cup between Chelsea and Liverpool That'll be on YouTube. I'm here for bear man at Pogba, man. But when I slap myself and look in reality, bro, you know, it doesn't even make sense because Arsenal would buy Pogba much like Ozil, much like what United did. And then everything's not going to be patterned. You know, them players there are, are, pardon me, they're like dessert. It's like, you know, you need everything else to have worked for them to to, to bang, really. You can't do this half-hearted thing. He's a Rolls-Royce of a player. It's like if Mesut Ozil or these, these sort of guys come into your team, First things first, Ten every other 10 players have to work 10 times harder. The system has to work and enhance. What people in the Prem do, if you look at Pogba, man, just look at, yo, you're physically a madman, you're technically a madman, go on there and score 50 million goals. Partey and Pogba technically are not in the same planet, but I think there's a lot of parallels. People just saw, you know what, Partey, you was at Atletico... That's why ain't, you've seen flashes at United. You haven't really seen the Pogbeezy, but... Yeah, man. And I told man, not that, not the Glenn Hoddle thing, but when you saw the man them know, once you make your hair, when Spogba took the bullshit out of his hair and just went back to his normal black colour hairstyle, you knew he was going to start balling out. You can tell he's focusing again. 
you know. Once it's all going crazy, you'll start doing the Cisco thing again. But on that note, let me love and leave you lot, people. Let's spin it. Let's spin it. Let's spin it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Peace out, man. Obviously, I scored bangers, so we might as well pre this, you know. Got highlighted by the barnet leaking down. <laughs>